Revelation 18, here is the overview. It highlights the absolute destruction and death of Babylon. Verses 1 to 3, there is this lament over Babylon, which is really interesting. Verses 4 to 8, there's a warning to escape Babylon's judgment. That warning is directed to believers who are alive at this point in the tribulation. They need to get out which is very reminiscent, we'll talk about, which is very reminiscent of Lot's situation. Threefold woe over Babylon's fall, verses 9 through 20, and the finality of Babylon's doom, 21 to 24. And um, what I find interesting is, this chapter comes right before chapter 19, of course, but what happens in 18 is almost the exact opposite of what happens in 19. So it'll be interesting to get there. We're not going to get through all of 18 tonight, but we'll see how far we get. And that should say Revelation 18, 1-3. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority with the earth, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. Now, this is really a fascinating situation, I think. Here we are in verse 1. John's attention turns to another scene that's happening here. It's kind of tied in with what was introduced in chapter 17, which if you just turn back a page, if you need to in your Bible, this is the introduction of the focus that takes place on Babylon, the scarlet woman on top of the scarlet beast. And um, then toward the end of chapter 17, um, chapter 17, chapter 17, verses 17 and 18 says, For God has put it into their hearts to fulfill His purpose, to be of one mind, and to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled, and the woman whom you saw in the great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. So in verse 16, it's very interesting, uh, they will all of a sudden at some point hate the harlot. They will turn on the harlot and they will destroy her. They will burn her with fire. And then we know why. Because God put it in their hearts to do that. Why? For his purposes. So it's interesting here. John turns his attention to another scene that's happening on earth. And again, I wish I, wish I had some sense of how John saw what he saw and what it actually looked like. But this is what he wrote for us. So we don't really know other than whether it, it's almost like, was he given a, a view into the future? I tend to think so, and he could see it all unfolding. Um, but it was like, uh, what do you call it when things go by quickly, when they speed things up? It fast seems forward. like, yeah, when they fast forward things, you get these, it's constantly moving. Sometimes I do that when I watch a YouTube video, especially if it's over an hour. I'll speed the sound up to like 125 or one and a half, just because. I want to get through it quicker. And it helps me actually stay focused more. So another angel of the same kind as the previous one announced the next scene to John. Now, by the way, some people think, and I saw another angel coming down from heaven having great authority with the earth was illuminated with his glory. Some believe that was Jesus. 
I don't particularly believe that was Jesus because John obviously knew who Jesus was. Right. And also because he wouldn't be, he wouldn't make the mistake of saying, oh, I saw another angel yeah. coming down. Right. But there are people and they have great reasons for thinking that's Jesus. I also think that the earth was illuminated with his glory because he probably had just come from um, God's presence. So like Moses, yeah. whose face was so reflective of God's glory and he had to veil it, how much more would an angel right. who was in constantly in God's presence? So, And he had great authority. So this um, angel comes down and this is also interesting. Sorry about that. He declares... Babylon the Great is fallen, is fallen. And why did he say it twice? Emphasis, I guess. Emphasis, exactly. And often in Scripture, when something is repeated like this, it's guaranteed to happen. Mm -hmm. It's guaranteed to happen. So this is God's prophetic, prophetic way of stating that it will be accomplished before it is actually accomplished. And this is what troubles me about why people don't study prophecy at all. I don't get it. I know that there are some people who kind of go overboard on it. That's all they study. That's not all God ever said. We have his entire word. But for those who avoid it and think, oh, it's all going to pan out. I'm a pan-tribulationist. It's all going to pan out in the end. No, God has something to say here. And for one thing, if absolutely nothing else is established, but there is much more established, if nothing else, it is God's way of proving that he is God. Because he gives us all the information, in many cases, long before it actually happens. This is one of the reasons, and I may have mentioned this before, that quote-unquote higher critic scholars, they were called liberal in uh, the 60s and 70s. They were liberal. Today, they're, actually, they're still being referred to as liberal, but they're more accurately far left. They're more toward Marxism. A liberal is a person who says, you know, I disagree with you, but I will defend your right to say it. Okay, that's what a liberal was in the 60s. There are no liberals that I know of living today. I've never met any. They're all Marxists. But that's why they had a problem with the book of Daniel, because it was so accurate that they believed, well, it couldn't have been Daniel living it. It had to be another guy that came after it who just said, well, I'm Daniel, and then simply wrote down history. That, that's the way they you know, produced their... That's what they say happened. But God is saying, no, no, no. This proves that I am that I am. I know the end from the beginning and I'm sharing with you a small piece of it so that you'll know that my veracity is true, that I am you know, I'm filled with integrity, that I do not lie. So he, he shares this with us by stooping and he doesn't have to do that. And we benefit from it when we actually take him at his word. So, Babylon is fallen is fallen. Done deal. It will. It will. So while ancient Babylon fell to Cyrus in 539, and we know that for a fact, this fall did not fulfill Old Testament prophecies about Babylon completely. And there's a couple of text reference, Isaiah 47 and Jeremiah 51. There's still a number of things left to go where Babylon's concerned that will not find fulfillment until the middle toward the end of the tribulation period. So John describes the upcoming fall of Babylon through the eyes of the onlookers on the earth, and that's pretty interesting here. And then um, also in verse 2, 
Since Babylon's creation, it rose to heights of idolatry and luxury. We're seeing that today. More than ever, we're seeing the idolatry. I mean, I don't even recognize what Hollywood has become. When I was growing up, there were some movies made, some television series made that were actually worth watching. I don't recognize Hollywood today. Everything is so woke, it's just absolute garbage and nonsense. And, and so that's only one aspect of Babylon, the idolatry, the, the pageantry dedicated to Satan. I mean, yeah. the Olympic Games, the International Games, their ceremonies have become so weird. They're all dark, satanic, and all they care about is the wealth that they can gather to themselves. That's all it's about. That's all Babylon is. Idolatry and luxury. And, and I'm sure when John saw this, through the eyes that the Lord allowed him to see, it probably shocked him as well, because Babylon, in, an extent, in, in a sense, was not certainly as bad then as it is now. Now, during the tribulation, it will be the center for false worship and economic prosperity. It will be the center. It will be worldwide in scope. And again, I don't know if it's actually going to be named Babylon. I tend to think it will be a physical city. I think we'll see that here in a few minutes. But it's also absolutely a system that undergirds and is the foundation for the economic system that is this world. And supposedly we have a great reset coming, which is going to usher in another economic system that's supposedly the best system that this world will ever have seen, and it far is superior much more than capitalism or anything else. So we'll see, but we know that it's going to be an economic system on steroids that will benefit a few and exclude all the rest. But nonetheless, during the tribulation, that's when it will be at its pinnacle, and that's when it will also be destroyed. Not until then. So it will, and this is fascinating to me. When it is destroyed, it becomes the actual prison for demons against their will. They will be sequestered here. It has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. That's amazing. So I'm not sure if God is going to just decide that at that point, and it would make sense because of what happens in chapter 19, that at that point, since Babylon is being destroyed, that becomes the prison for the demons, etc., until everything is judged by God and tossed into the lake of fire, which happens pretty quick here after chapter 18. But it's interesting. This implies Babylon's headquarters will be a physical place. It's going to be a physical in that physical place. And they can't get out. Okay. It's like the demons that Peter talks about, the spirits that are um, sequestered. They're kept in chains. There were some demons and spirits that is believed from the implications that, that the Bible shares that they did something so heinous that God sequestered them in this pit, Tartarus, in chains, and that's where they are. Some of those demons are let out during the tribulation, um, at the at the Euphrates River, and we already went over that stuff. But it's just interesting because some of them are so bad. Now, of course, commentators have their opinions about what that is, and it has to go back to the Nephilim 
everything in Genesis. So, and how they uh, cohabitated with women and did that thing. So whether they did it physically or whether they did it through human men, human men, we don't really know. But it's an interesting thing to think about. At any rate, they were they did something so evil and so terrible, and they were so vicious and vile that God said, they're not going to be let out. They are chained in darkness until judgment. So anyway, Babylon's physical existence will become utterly desolate. It'll be nothing. It'll be totally destroyed, um, and, and, and it will just be a prison. And what's fascinating, too, is when we get to verse 9, and I don't know that we're going to get there tonight, but when we do, we find the earth mourning over this system and its death and destruction. And of course, they're mourning selfishly because all they can think about is the wealth yeah. that they got from being associated with and trafficked and sold in Babylon. And now they don't have that anymore. Woe is me. What will they do? But they also didn't care about anybody else who was in dire straits and who was not part of, didn't have the wherewithal to be in that system. So the view here of Babylon is that the political, economic, and commercial system on the earth, which leaves God out. And it is amazing to me how, if I compare it today with the 70s, how much God is literally pushed out, deliberately pushed out, deliberately. They can't do it enough. They, they've got to get rid of any vestiges of Christianity and the Judeo-Christian God. They have to. And so we know where that comes from. It's born of Satan and pushed by him. God says, okay, you can have your day, Satan. It's going to be a short-lived, but you can have it. So Babylon's philosophy has always been to influence all the nations to act as immorally as possible. And we're seeing that today. Yeah, mm -hmm. this is just Hollywood, really. I mean, I'm just thinking yeah, about yeah, what you said. And it's like, Think about um, even the uh, Hungary who has come out as a very pro-life country, their president was basically assured by our administration, we're no longer going to send you money right. unless you come off that pro-life stance. Not only that, but embrace this LB alphabet philosophy that we're putting out. I know. They're, they're, so you know, totally we're as a country threatening other countries, you either toe the line with this, and it's not, not just Hollywood, it's Washington, yeah. D.C. That's it. Well, it is. It's yeah. all. Because you um, see, political, the, economic, media, commercial. It's all. But yeah, I, th I think a lot of, to, to me, a lot of this clash that is going on in Washington is because I, I honestly believe that there is some kind of underworld in Washington oh. and the political and entertainment, all the, they, the yeah, they're all together. that they're all together and exactly. some kind of so. demonic, right? Yeah, child it pornography. Is. Is. Just I think also, evil. yeah, and and yeah, I agree with totally you. Matter of fact, I've read articles of these underground societies in D.C.s that a lot of these senators and uh, representatives go to. They have these underground parties where it's just sex and everything you could possibly yeah, want and they film them so yeah. what happens is what do they do it's a honeypot it, they yeah. blackmail them later that's exactly what epstein did yeah he was he gets all these people there and then they you know they either comply with whatever the request are or yeah. they yeah exactly Exactly. But I think it goes back to what the Bible says. It says when we, we wrestle not against flesh and exactly. against flesh and blood. Mm -hmm. um, but, but this is this is yeah. yeah. This I is agree. this is the this is what's going on now. 
and it's yeah we call it our government but it has been Corrupted. infiltrated yeah so yeah, it's, it is just evil yeah. I mean absolutely. it's just an evil it's pure evil though. yeah and we know how hard they worked and this is not to say anything for or against Trump, but we know he was completely innocent with that Durham report that came out, but we know how hard they worked to frame this innocent man in that respect so that they well, It just tells me that Trump was not part of that system. Exactly. Right. And he began to learn, so. he started to see what was going on and was yeah. he was going to do something about it or expose or whatever, well, so they got to get rid of him somehow. Right, yeah. Yeah. his problem was... His problem was he didn't have good people around him. He had people that really were not trustworthy right. advising right. him, and so there are a lot of, of yeah. There's just more oh, bad eggs oh, yeah. than Especially not. Especially in DC, it's like rotting from the inside it out, is. and Absolutely. it has been. Can you imagine being a politician today? I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Babylon's philosophy has influenced all nations to act as immorally as possible, and now what we're seeing is celebrating it. Yes. Celebrating it. It's yes. not. It's not just okay to do that. We have to celebrate it, or we're fascists, or we're bigots. Well, we're coming up to June. You just June. Want to gag yourself because it's all pride, 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 pride. They got pride, a whole pride, month. Pride, 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 pride. I don't get why. We have stupid stuff at work. But I'm yes, she's supposed to. She's supposed to attend through Zoom meetings. Yeah, um, like these drag queen bingo games. Oh, don't tell where I'm so sorry. And, yeah, yeah, I'm so with sorry. Your work, you work federal government, right? <laughs> Not really, but don't tell where you work. Yeah, I won't. Okay. Okay. I guess I can edit it out, but yeah. you never know. She works for a consulting company that has a lot of contracts through yeah, the we're federal funded. government. So, so, so they get you over a barrel. You want our money? You're going to do it our way. That's right. That's exactly That's, it's always money. Always money. What a always. surprise. Yeah. Yeah. All the money. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. all. Oh, so Babylon's, <laughs> Babylon's <laughs> philosophy has always been act as morally as, as possible and celebrate it. Grow rich at the expense of others. That's key yeah. because everybody can't be rich. So sometimes you, the only way to get rich is at the expense of others. And then ultimately Babylon's influence has been worldwide. And we need to remember that Babylon goes all the way back to Babylon. I mean, Genesis 11. Genesis 11. Ooh. How many thousands of years ago was that? And has had that long? That's what... 6,000. Yes. So that's exactly where Satan put most of his apples. In Babylon. And he's been growing it since. Until it becomes this worldwide conveyance of immorality and growing rich at the expense of others. Anything anti-God. So, political self-interest, materialism. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. So this is why so many corporations are increasingly trying to reach and include transgenders. It's all about money. They don't care about, oh, these conservatives, they're, they're going to be painted as big as anyway, so let's reach out to this group. I think it's kind of funny what happened to Bud Light. Mm -hmm. you know? Well, like, they're, they're um, required, the, the corporations are required ESG. to do that because they of uh, their... It, it's a social credit thing, and exactly. if you want a, if you want money loaned to you, exactly, then you well, got you want to the do tax this. credits. Or that's right. Yep, yep. That's, that's right. ESG. What is it? Uh, what is ES, ESG? Uh, something social and governance. Yeah. Is it environment? That's it. Environment, yeah. social, government. Yes, and that's how they give them their scores. Right. 
So your, they have, the companies have to do that. Right. Your company just did this too. They finally got... The, the CEO was so proud because the company finally got over 50% minorities, employees. And I told, I mentioned to somebody, I said, yeah, but, but the, do they realize that one particular minority that they were ballyhooing is only 15% of, of the population. population in the United States? That doesn't right. It doesn't that matter. No, no, it doesn't matter. That's what matters is our numbers. And we get a good ESG score. Good ESG score. So, anyway, it's all about money. We know that. And then verse 4, this is the call for God's people to leave Babylon's system. So, whatever Christians are alive at this point, and, and the tribulation could start tomorrow, it could start five years from now, it could start a year from we don't know. But when it does, the Christians who are still alive at this point, and we're talking after the midpoint, toward the end of the tribulation. These Christians, these believers who are still alive, are going to be warned. Because remember, John is seeing what pans out in the future. So they will be warned, come out of her, come out of her, so that you will not be judged by her, and receive the same judgment that Babylon receives. So they should get out of her. And I look at it like this. As Christians, Sylvia and I are, well, we need to kind of withdraw from a number of things that this world has to offer. And so part of that is doing what we do around here. Growing the garden and having chickens. We only shop at a few stores. We don't, you know, we aren't jumping on the bandwagon. We don't live our lives the way we used to live our lives. Yeah, We're pretty particular. We want to remove ourselves from as much as we can, but we still want to have an impact on people. Yeah. So it'll get to a point, though, where these believers will know we need to pull out of this. Otherwise, we're going to be receiving the same judgment that Babylon is receiving. So they literally will be forced, if they're living in or near the city of Babylon, like Lot was living in the area of Sodom and Gomorrah, the Twin Cities, get out. Get out to a safe place. And again, we don't know if it's going to be named Babylon. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Antichrist trying to be cute says, oh yes, this is my Babylon, that's my headquarters. And it could be a small suburb of some other city, but whatever. It could be the name Babylon, it could be named something else. But at that point, the believers who are alive will understand that that is the headquarters of the modern day Babylon. And they need to get rid of, forsake the enticements of idolatry, self-sufficiency, love of luxury, and violence. And you know, the world is becoming so much like that. You know as well as I do. I mean, we see advertisements when we're watching Roku of some of these movies coming out and we're going, another garbage movie. It's just all, everybody's hard, everybody's this, there's all, it's just dark. Yeah, the darker, dark. the better. Yeah. It's murder, mayhem. So let me ask you about the self-sufficiency. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay. Uh, that, Good. that kind of makes me wonder because we are going to have to be self-sufficient right. up to a point, aren't right. we? Right. Yeah, but I think this, uh, yeah, I'm really glad you asked that. This self-sufficiency, I don't think, is the same kind of self-sufficiency that we use. These people think, the people of the world at this point, we're seeing it in the world, they don't need God. But, but that's it. They think they are God. 
Right. I'm, I'm fine by myself. Let's yeah, I am a God. I am sufficient in myself. I need nothing outside of myself to make me better. So it's that what, kind of... That's the type of self-sufficiency. That's the type of self-sufficiency that unsaved dwell on and put their faith in. Okay. But the self-sufficiency that you and I have, because we sit there and we go, well, I think it's a smart idea to stock up on some meat get extra groceries. I tell my kids this. I don't know that they hear me. It's like, my son listened to me. He went out and bought an extra freezer, but I even, we were thinking about getting another refrigerator because this one is having a problem with the ice maker. I've tried to fix too many times. And so we were thinking about it, but we decided ultimately not. But I offered it to the family. I said, anybody want a, an extra refrigerator slash freezer for their garage? No, we don't have room for it. And I'm thinking to myself. You got a garage. Yeah, I'm thinking to myself, well, you know what, you will, you would have room for it, but imagine when it all hits the fan and inflation goes so high that gas is, you know, think about it, but they don't. I get it. I get it. But our, the self-sufficiency that, that you were talking about is self-sufficient in that if you, you could feed your neighbors if you had to. If we had to, absolutely. Well, yes. Yes. Or, I won't, but I would no, yes. kid. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I think it's gonna come down to you gonna have to be a, a community's gonna have to work. I agree. Together. Absolutely. I mean you 100%. may have to take just this neighborhood on this corner yeah. right yeah. in here. Yeah. And, and to do things for each other that because yep. uh, you can't stay awake twenty four seven. Exactly. Nobody can. No. Right. And somebody may need to be on watch. Yep. So, I know, it's kind of yeah, sad, so but yeah. You, yeah. I mean, it's, well, it, they come to that. I don't know. Yeah, and Sylvia's reading through um, the Laura Ingle Wilder's books, and it's fascinating exactly how self-sufficient people were in those mm -hmm. days. Mm -hmm. You wanted to eat? Well, you did something about it. Mm -hmm. You grew a garden and you went hunting or fishing. If you didn't, then you had to rely on what you could get from a general store, but then you needed money to or something to trade, barter with. At, at any point, though, either way, these people were self-sufficient. Yeah. You know, there was one point where Laura and her husband, what's his name? Almanzo. Um, thank you. Almanzo. They moved to a new area. They planted a whole bunch, a crop of apple trees. But it takes a while for apple trees, as we know, yeah. to start producing apples. Yeah. So in the meantime, he got a job in town, and he worked real hard. She got chickens. She did other things. And then eventually, was that successful for them or not, eventually? Do you recall? Do you recall? They ended up moving into town. Okay. I just remember their names. Okay. okay. So eventually they moved. But that's the point, because you get to a point where you realize, I, I can't be self-sufficient right now, so I need to put myself, I need to change my circumstances or do something that's different so that I can become more sufficient and help myself. Mm -hmm. and, and this self-sufficiency is, I'm all-knowing. I don't need anything because I can get whatever I need. Okay. People don't realize years and years ago the general stores were a lot different than they are today, right? I mean, I'm a student of history. They were so actually called dry goods stores. Yeah. You could buy cloth to make clothes with. That's right. You could Mike's buy dry granddad had a store like that in Woolsey. The what? Mike's granddad had a store like that in Woolsey. But uh, it, yeah. it wasn't like going to the no. grocery store no. today. They didn't no. have such a thing. No, and you know, people, unfortunately, because of it, especially the younger generation today, they, they will have no clue because they've never been taught. They never had to not understand it. That's right. But 
I mean, you know, the people in the frontier days, they wanted something they had to they had to dig in and get it. And, and make just, it. Yeah, they had to make it. They couldn't yes. make it. They had to make it. Yes. Could, so. I mean, if you look at the the way, how much we have, and we don't consider ourselves rich, but how much we have compared to what people had in the late 1800s or the early 1900s. And I'm reading a book now about um, Africa, and, okay. the, and it's about the, uh, the the British and the Boers, and the you know, and so when this woman and her family they they moved to Africa. Well, her father came from England okay. to live with them, and the first thing he did was he had plans by this man named John Crapper, and he built a toilet. He built the first toilet that wow. had That's he had to run really water to, from the river. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it took him forever. You know, it took him he, uh, yeah. you know like a year to get to to where he could get water there, and wow. then where he could. And his name was John Crapper, and that's what they call it. That's not a joke. No, but but you know, I mean, he had the he had a flush toilet. Isn't that funny? And this was like in the late eighteen hundreds. So he he used self sufficiency, self sufficiency to do so that he wouldn't have to rely on others for things that he could do for himself. So the difference, of course, is the whole attitude that will prevail, and and I think prevails now. People think they're self sufficient while they have their hand up to the government. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, not so this verse is two Christians, <laughs> two Christians to get out and to, to get out and to right. move away from the enticement yes. that maybe has kept them there. Because yes. why would you be in Babylon? But well, why was Lot in right. Sodom and Gomorrah? I've always wanted that. <laughs> I know it's like you know. Why would you keep your family there? His uncle is like, well, you take whatever you want, and Abraham, Abraham didn't have to do that. Well, yeah. he could have said, I'm your uncle. I'm over here. I'm taking this. So. Lot's going, oh, that looks really good. Yeah, I'm going to go there. So he winds up in Sodom and Gomorrah. And he well, stayed. He had first choice, too. Right? Yes, and he stayed. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially after he knew what was going on there, he stayed. And unfortunately, there will be believers, probably, who are kind of like drawn into that a bit. And so they get the warning, say, you need to get out. So, anyway. um, the first Babylon, yes. uh, in, it says in Isaiah and Jeremiah, I only knew about Jeremiah, it, okay. it said the same thing, come yes. out of her, my people, yes. talking about Babylon, okay. come out of her. Christians. And you yeah. know what, I don't th- obviously this is specifically for those people because of the timing, but I think it speaks to us today too, oh, yeah. absolutely. Oh, yeah. We need to guard our hearts and minds to stay out of this as much as possible. I was telling Sylvia, I said, you know... It's funny how much I've lost interest in the things that I used to enjoy. Well, and it's subtle. You know, it you is think, subtle. You, you like uh, wake up one day and you see, oh my gosh, you know, this is this is this doesn't go along with the Bible. Right. It's right. subtle. You don't right. see it. You don't see it. And if we're not careful, we could get caught up like Lot and go, hey, this is cool. But God wants us out. And I think it's a good time to practice it now. But whoever these believers are, maybe some of them are born just before the tribulation starts and they're younger and who knows? Yeah, I mean, I still yeah, feel sorry for yeah. my grandchildren coming into this world yeah. right now. It's like, man, oh man, the, the depravity that exists and how do you protect them from that to an extent? How do you, it, it's, you pray, obviously, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. So this is addressed to all faithful believers during the tribulation. Separation will yeah, mean ultimately separation. being protected from judgment. All right. 
Verse 5. What time is it? We'll go for a few more minutes. Another reason for leaving Babylon and her system is that God is about to judge her. He's about to bring the hammer down. With finality. With finality. One thing I find that's fascinating in the Old Testament with respect to Israel. They had this constant cycle. They were in with God, on good terms with God, and then the one generation would start to age, a new generation would come up, and they would be lax in their standards, morality-wise and everything else, and start you know, getting involved in syncretism. Oh, it's okay if I you know, go with my girlfriend to that group because they don't worship the God that I want. It's okay. And so they start making excuses, and all of a sudden it, it goes through the whole new generation, and then they're on the outside with God. He judges them, usually using another nation, takes them into captivity, then that nation, that uh, generation starts to seek God, and then usually it's the next generation that starts to seek God. The and ebb then, and flow of humanity. Pardon me? The ebb and flow of oh, humanity. It is amazing. Isn't it? It's just this, this cycle. Mm-hmm. So the sins of Babylon are very much like the bricks used to build Babel in Genesis 11. They've accumulated so much that their sins can no longer be ignored by God. They just can't. And he is so patient, but in his patience, we know that there comes a point that says, okay, this is the line, and when it hits here, that's it. And so it will be that point. And they will have completely exhausted God's patience. And that, to me, is a scary thought. If you think about it, the God who is love, who is patient, who is who desires us to know Him, to be in relationship with Him, gives us so many chances, and yet there will come a time for every person, not just Babylon, but for every person where God's patience will be exhausted. And if they have not received salvation, then the judgment will fall on them. That's scary. But there's really nothing you and I can do about it except pray for them, witness to them, and sometimes we have to get to the point of, and I was telling Sylvia this the other day, I said, I'm getting to the point where I want to tell people the truth, whether it's the gospel truth or something else, but specifically the gospel. And whether they listen to me or not, I still want to barrel through and tell them what they need to hear. I want to be that guy. We were reading Nehemiah this morning. And he talks about... He was a one man, him and Ezra. The things that they had to put up with, the things that they encountered, the things that they had to deal with, Sanballat, Tobiah, the other people, the priests. One priest decides he's going to give Tobiah, oh, I'll let you live in the priest quarters inside the temple. Come on, I'll make a room for you. And Nehemiah comes back and he goes, what are you doing? And, I mean, this kind of stuff, and, and at one he point... all this stuff out He did. Room. And then he had to cleanse the room again and bring this stuff back in that was supposed to be there. And at one point, Nehemiah goes, Lord, remember me for the good that I've done for your people. And I'm thinking to myself, that is what I would like to be remembered for. Um, being true to God's word, being committed to mm-hmm. spreading the gospel, whether or not people believe it, whether or not people ridicule it, Whatever. Yeah, at that, some point you just can't 
hold it back. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. that, you know, even the stones cry out. Yeah. You just I know. You can't just like, not say. I know. My only problem is if I'm not careful, I'll stick my foot in my mouth before I do anything else. I mean, yeah. I'm just that way sometimes. Me too. I, I, I have we're to. all struggle with that. Oh, oh man. man. Insert foot. Yes. I, <laughs> I know. I, I, yeah. just, I just sit there. I, I know I've done it. I mean, I've said some things to people when I was younger. It's like, come on, Fred. I think about it now and it's like, what were you thinking? But still, it was the it was true. Yeah. But you never know. Somebody's going to remember what you said at yeah, some possibly. point in their life. Possibly. You were a Tioga minister. Possibly. Maybe God forgave yeah. me because of my youth. I don't know. And my <laughs> desire just to do it. But anyway, you know, we watch Legacy.com videos, the people who died this week in May. And the way some of them are remembered. I don't mean to laugh at them, but I'm thinking to myself. I don't want to be remembered this, for being the creator of Tupperware. Or, or no. the creator of the guy who created the shark costume for the land shark skit on Saturday Night Live. And that's what they're remembered. I'm thinking. Well, I, I, I and that's it. probably a fact. That's Maybe all that they have. That is a lie. Yeah, that's all they had. They have nothing else. I don't yeah. know. No, they don't. You know, another guy was well known for his, yeah, doesn't have to call me this. But, you know, and that was his big shtick. And he, he would, I'm thinking to myself, Lord, I want to be remembered for being, hopefully, a great husband and father, mm -hmm. and dad, and grandfather, but also, more importantly, someone who knew the truth about God, followed it diligently, and hopefully led other people to that same truth. That's what I would like to be remembered for. I think that's what every Christian would yeah. like to be. Yeah, I, I read the obituaries. Real regular. Make sure I'm not in there. <laughs> but I, it just fascinates me at some of the things people put in there. I know. And, and that has no bearing on eternity, really. I mean, no, like, no mention of it. I know. I know. That uh, one guy, he said he was remembered. He was a big partier. Oh, good. Yeah. Nice. Well, that's the one I'd want to carry with me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. well, yeah. This man. Yeah. Was he? He. He was interested in computers. Interested yeah. in computers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This this man, he was known for creating the bomb. The bomb? Bomb for, for joint smokers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Really? Okay. So, and this thing that's so scary is when you look at these people and you go, wow, they are now in eternity. Most of them probably wishing so much for a do-over. If they could just have a do-over, just give me a do-over. That's the sad, I mean, that, mm -hmm. you know, and then Paul's words come in, it's a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It's like, I can't imagine it. I can't imagine it. Well, anyway, let's go along here. Uh, because he is righteous, he's got to judge. We know that. He's got to judge us at the Bema seat, not for whether or not we have salvation, but for everything we said, everything we did. Oh, I'm ready. <laughs> right? I'm not really looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that. It's like, you know, when you have to go before your your earthly dad and you messed up mm -hmm. and you see that, oh, man. Anyway, he will judge. So Revelation 18.6. Um, this is fascinating. Render to her just as she rendered to you. Repay her double according to her works. In the cup which she has mixed, mixed double for her. Well, who is the angel talking to? I think that's fascinating. Uh, most commentators believe that God, the angel, is talking to God's enemies and calling them. He's bas they're basically saying God will actually use God's own enemies to pay Babylon back 
fully for its wicked deeds, pride, and self-indulgent conduct. And this is not far-fetched. Right. Doesn't it say that the, the, they will devour her? Oh, yeah. The, the, the beast and the... the yeah. yeah, the kings that give the their authority the to the exactly. beast. Exactly. To devour her. Exactly. And that was already in verses... Where was... Oh, that was in the previous chapter. Yes, Correct. Saying, know. You know, so he's going to use the enemies. And, and this happened over and over throughout the Old Testament. Every time Israel needed to be judged, what did God do? Bring in an enemy and have them do it. And then what? Bring in another enemy to deal with that enemy who took care of Israel. So that's the way God pays it back. So this is essentially God's law of retaliation, Matthew 7, 2, Galatians 6, 7, and 8. To pay back double is another way of saying in the Greek to pay back fully. So she's not going to get away with anything. Babylon's system had persecuted and murdered the saints throughout history, but especially during the tribulation. Multitudes will be martyred. Multitudes. Um, it's not a prayer for personal vengeance, by the way. Vengeance is God's. So this is the divine response to cruelty committed by wicked people who have passed the point of no return morally. So they are beyond being able to be saved. That is tragic. There, unfortunately, is no more hope for those people. So God. I hear a buzz. I didn't know if she was trying to reach you or not. I don't know. What? I'm sorry. She's expecting a phone call. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, go ahead. No, it's okay. What do what you need to do? No repentance is possible for the wicked at this point. And let's. Do you want to stop now, or just stop with? <laughs> We can do seven and eight, and that's kind of a break. You want to do that? Is that okay? Yeah. Luxurious yeah. living is another reason for Babylon's judgment. There was, I mean, if you look at the ultra wealthy today, they get further rich off the backs of the average people because they wind up transferring the wealth or the money that you and I have because they have the power to do that, and they wind up getting rich. That's what happened during the Great Depression of the stock market. So it's not new COVID. Oh yeah, oh yeah, big, big time, time, big time, big time. Exactly right. So I just read an article today that said there was over how many, two hundred and something bankruptcies, or was it four yeah. hundred? I think four hundred. Over four hundred bankruptcies since January. Hmm. He goes of companies or businesses. Businesses, and that has not happened. It's the biggest number in over thirteen years. Hmm. So that's, that's a lot. So every time the business goes out, we know that employees suffer too because they're out of the job. Yeah. So Babylon believes herself to be superior and self-sufficient. Listen to this. In the measure that she glorified herself and lived luxuriously, in the same measure give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen. I'm no widow and will not see sorrow. Therefore, her plagues will come in one day. Death and mourning and famine and she will be utterly burned with fire for strong is the Lord God who judges her. Wow. So she is so filled with conceit and false self-worth that she doesn't believe anything bad can happen to her. And you know sadly this kind of reminds me when I was reading through this of the Laodicean church in Revelation 3. And unfortunately, I think that this Laodicean mindset is way too prominent 
today in many, many churches. It's sad. It is very sad. Um, pride is the root of the problem. Can affect anyone, believer or non-believer. And so all of that is going to come back on her. God is going to pour it back on her so that she'll understand. Thinking she'll never see mourning, she will be shocked to experiencing. And I, I kind of liken this to the globalists who gloat now over their plans, who are so bold and so superior thinking and self-confident that they can actually come out now and tell us yeah. what their plans are. Yeah. They didn't do that before. Right. They were behind the scenes in the shadows. They're now, about it right yeah, now, I wish I could play a, I could play a really short video for you with Mr. Klaus Schwab. Yeah. Uh, he's bragging about how people will need to be very, very transparent with banking in the coming days. He goes, and it will integrate with your personality. What? So, yeah, exactly. And they're always so nuanced. You can't really pin them down. Uh, but anyway, he really, I mean, they're just talking like this, this is going to happen. So they gloat over their plans, their riches, their power. They will be brought low. We know that Klaus Schwab is not going to live forever. He thinks he might. Yeah, That's what his transhumanism scheme is all about. With AI. But he won't. He will not. And then he will wake up to the reality of his greed and how terribly, terribly bereft he is. And then in 17.8, Babylon's wickedness is so egregious that her judgment will occur in a single day. And I believe that that's literal. It's going to happen, yeah. boom, just one day. doesn't mean the whole day. It's going to happen all in that same day. Death, mourning, famine completely burn up. It's all going to be done. That single day may also emphasize the suddenness of the judgment. Babylon's going along fine, and all of a sudden, destruction. So if this is literal, as, as I believe it is, then some sort of physical Babylon will exist during the tribulation and will represent Babylon's history of spiritual wickedness, deception, and religious fraud. And so that whole system is going to come crashing down. Babylon will collapse suddenly, not gradually, as most empires throughout history have done. Rome, how long did that live? It started to break apart, then it broke into the east and the west. It still lasted for hundreds and hundreds of years. Then finally went into, I guess you could say, remission to be revived again, eventually. Not into our future, but Babylon, this collapse is going to be sudden. The same day. In Isaiah, when Cyrus goes in, it says it will be one day. Yeah. It will happen in one day. So yeah. it was also sudden. Exactly. So that happened with the original battle. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And that whole thing is sad because there was a guy who came after Nebuchadnezzar. Commentators believe, even though he was saying the son of Nebuchadnezzar, he was really, uh, they believe, his grandson, but it was normal to say the son of. Right. So here he was, Belshazzar, right? Belshazzar? Yeah. 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 The writing on the wall. Here he is. Just like a perfect picture of Babylon, self-sufficient, egotistical. I don't need anything. I've got it all. And then, oh yeah, let's drink out of the, the temple cups that are dedicated to the only God in the universe, and then the writing on the wall. And, and he still didn't get over that. Even after they get Daniel, and Daniel explains to him, he goes, I will give you this part of my kingdom, blah, blah, blah. He was still involved in his own headiness. I'm so powerful and great. 
and he was brought down that day. So, God's going to use his own enemies. We know he's going to use the beast. We know he's going to turn on Babylon the beast, the Antichrist, and probably everybody with them. They'll just destroy her. All right, next time we'll get through, hopefully, I don't think we're going to get through 24, but we'll get through the next section, which is 9 through 20. The world mourns Babylon's fall.